welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Well, happy Father's Day to uh, all of you dads uh, out there. Uh, we are, let me just get set up here. I think we're all set. <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, I, I think we, you know, we just saw in Brent just such a great example of of just the things that are in Brett's heart to pray for his sons are really the things that are in our father's heart. And we really want to take a look at those today. You saw in Brett's interview there, just he prays for a strong faith that they, his children have a strong reliance on God in their life, uh, that they would love and respect their future wives, that they would raise their children in a godly way, that they would be a help to others in a time of need. These are all things that exist within the heart of our Heavenly Father. And then you look at the gift of time. Perhaps the most valuable thing that a father can give his children is the gift of time. And I I just love that. You know, Brett said the gift of time, but uh, even though he didn't say it directly, you know, Brett also talked about he and Eve being a team. Brett not only gives the gift of time to his boys, but he also gives the gift of team. He works with his wife in harmony to actually raise these boys to the best of their ability for God's glory. What a beautiful thing that we see there. And when it comes to affirmation and true identity, we see that you know God has invited them, uh, to us to be created. He created us and he invites us to live out of our created identity. So beautiful things there. I really appreciate uh, Brett just sharing that and taking the time to do that. It's been a busy season for him, uh, so making the time to do that, greatly appreciated. Well, happy Father's Day, dads. Uh, Today, we're going to look at the redemptive role of fatherhood. There's so much in it. We're really going to be taking a look at our Father, our Heavenly Father. You know, around the world, and we've got so many people that are in the valley of decision, uh, Corona and what's going on globally around the world, all of the upheaval, all of the changes, all of the uncertainty. Many people that were able to rely on the world systems or on their wealth or on their own ability are finding that those things aren't so firm anymore. And they're looking for something more firm. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're watching today and you're thinking, you know, yeah, that's that's me. Uh, everything's a little bit shaky. Well, you're in the valley of decision. There are millions around the world in the valley of decision. And I hope that today's message, being a Father's Day message, taking a look at the heart of the Father, a deep look at the heart of the Father, is going to refresh you today, but it's also going to open your heart and open your eyes to who God is and who He wants to be in your life and what He wants to do with your life. You know, our Heavenly Father is the model for fatherhood. So when I first married Jenny, I instantly had three children and another one on the way. Uh, It happened all pretty quickly. Uh, And I really had to work out, like, what does my Heavenly Father look like and what can I learn from him? Now, I had a great father, an awesome dad. We lost him in February, but he's left a legacy of faith, a beautiful legacy of faith. So many things that I'm able to look at my dad and I see those things in myself. They're great strengths that are there. 
but my father wasn't perfect. Uh, he's in perfection now, but in this life, he had some flaws, and I've got some too. Every dad does. But we can look to our heavenly father, and he's just perfect. You know, when we look at his heart, we see that he's there for us when we succeed and when we fail. And we see that he wants us to impact others for good, but he's there for us when we've impacted them for bad. We just come to him in humil humility. The Bible says that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. God's in the restoration business. Our heavenly father is at the center of our redemption. He's at the center of our forgiveness that we freely receive as a gift. But obviously we have to be willing to receive it. He's there for us when we're impacted by the failures of others as well. There are many in church today, many that are out of church today, who've been impacted by the failures of others. I know I've been hurt by people in church, and I know I've hurt people in church too. You know, for that, I'm very sorry, you know, but um, we do these things and we need to go to one another in humility as well and ask for forgiveness, seek it when it's necessary but also forgive one another. This is all part of God's plan for our lives. These things come from the heart of the Father. So three things we really want to look at today as we look at the heart of the Father is we want to look at those hopes and prayers of a father like Brett was talking about. We want to look at the gift giving aspect of our Heavenly Father, and we want to look at how he affirms uh, our identity. So we want to look at those things. We can learn things from our Heavenly Father today. Well, when it comes to hopes and prayers, our Heavenly Father doesn't pray for us. He has a perfect will for us. It is we who pray. It is we who go to Him, and He invites us to do so. Prayer is where our faith meets His faithfulness. It's where His will becomes our will. So if you're a dad today and you're just starting out, maybe you're a young dad, there's no better place for you to learn to be a father than to go to your heavenly father in prayer and seek his face, to seek him in that secret place as you're going to see today. So I'll say it again. Prayer is where faith meets his faithfulness. Our faith meets his faithfulness and where his will becomes our will. Let's look at the gift giving. You know, Matthew 7, 11, and Luke eleven thirty three. 33, as I said, these verses have always challenged me, but in a good way. You know, even though I'm a, a flawed man, uh, I know how to give good gifts. I watch my children. I look for those opportunities, those good things that they do, those good things that they say, those good things that they seek that I know are good. I know are good. I know they are eternally good. I encourage them in that direction. But our Heavenly Father gives us the gift, the gift, the greatest gift of all for us, the Holy Spirit, to be with us, to guide us and lead us into all knowledge. Jesus referred to the person of the Holy Spirit as being the comforter. Jesus told the disciples, it's good for you that I'm going away. Uh, if I go to the Father, um, then I can ask him to send you the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will comfort you. The comforter will come and he will guide you and lead you into all knowledge. You know, when the Bible says that he who lacks wisdom, let him ask, that God won't hold back. Oh, that's a function of the Holy Spirit. God will guide you and lead you to that knowledge. 
That's encouraging for us as fathers of any age, but it's also encouraging to anyone in this age, to anyone in that valley of decision today. There's a father whose heart is to guide you and to lead you, that you would know his will, that you would have every confidence in his love for you and in his goodness, and that you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But you know, this gift of the Holy Spirit is only for those who ask. Scripture tells us this. It's only for those who ask. If you don't ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you won't receive it. It's something that you have to receive. In Scripture, we saw people saved in the book of Acts, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And as soon as the apostles realized it, they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from God, but you have to ask. It's something that you deliberately receive. That's available to you today. You don't even have to wait till I get to the end of the sermon. You can just say, Father, I ask for the Holy Spirit. Give me everything right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can do that right now. And then our Heavenly Father, His heart is to affirm our identity, but not our imagined worldly identity, our identity as originally created. We see this with Jesus. When Jesus was being baptized at the River Jordan, uh, we hear the voice of the Father there saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God not only declares him to be his son, that's his identity, that's who he is, and out of that identity he can live and function and move and do the will of God in this life. And so God declares about him, I am well pleased, because not only is the son of God Jesus' identity, but he's doing it and doing it well. We too have an identity as sons and daughters, and God watches us, and he sees everything, and he knows everything, and he is so glad, his heart is so gladdened when we get it right, when we do those right things for the right purpose before him in his sight and in the sight of no others. You know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, we hear the same phrasing again, but our Heavenly Father says to the disciples that were there, the handful that were there, he says, listen to him. This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Why is it that they should listen to him? Why can't they go direct to the Father? Well, Jesus and the Father were one. They were unified. By an act of their will, they were unified. Jesus said of his relationship with his heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, he said, I don't uh, do anything I don't first see my father do. I don't say anything. I don't first hear my father say. Jesus was constantly pulling away from the disciples, pulling away from the crowds, and spending one-on-one -on -one time with his heavenly father. What's happening there? Well, his identity is becoming clearer and clearer and clearer to him. It's already clear to God, but clearer and clearer to him. His purpose for that day, for the next few moments, was prepared in his heart in those times. His identity was strengthened, and then he would go and live out of it, and he would do the things he saw his father do, and he would say the things that he saw his father say. It is the same for us. Jesus' disciples were encouraged to listen to Jesus by the Heavenly Father because Jesus was only doing and saying what the Heavenly Father was doing and saying. They're one. Isn't that beautiful? You'd see Jesus' will perfectly matched to the will of the Father. That's what we're invited to. 
I've made mistakes as a father, but I always have this place to go back to where I can go back to the perfect will of the father and I can begin again afresh from there. It requires humility, but I can begin again afresh from there. This is really essential. I want to read to you from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15, from verses 11 to 32. Now, this is commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son, but it's not referred to that in Scripture. That's a heading that publishers have put on this section of text. It seems to be that of the three characters in the story that Jesus tells, that our attention just tends to focus on the one who's really just stuffed it all up, the prodigal son. I don't know if that's because we see ourselves there, or maybe we kind of like to judge others secretly in our heart. And this guy's a real, a real, a real mistake. You know, you can just see it and you can feel that judgment rising at times when you read this particular parable. But whatever it is, it causes us to call this the parable of the prodigal. Jesus starts it off with a man had two sons. This is the story of a father and two sons. So let's read through this and then I'll pick a few things out for you. I will get up. And so this, let me just introduce it a little bit. Uh, I don't want to read the whole passage of the whole parable, but um, one son, the, the young son, asked for his inheritance in advance prior to his, and before his father had even died. And then he went off to a foreign land, squandered it, uh, lost everything, gambled it on prostitutes and just living it up until he had nothing. And then he was only thing he could find was uh, working for a farmer, slopping pigs, and he had to eat the slop of the pigs. He had to live with the pigs. And he comes to his senses there. And beginning in verse 11, it says, I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. It goes on. Now his older son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring about these things, what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and he was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. 
but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. What happens there? We see prayer, we see gift giving, and we see affirmation. We see this son who was lost. We see him preparing to pray to the father, preparing to go to the father in humility. He's realized his mistake, accepted full responsibility for it, and he's ready to go and throw himself on the mercy of his father's heart. But when he speaks, goes to his father, his father is moved with compassion. It's clear. The heart of our heavenly father is moved with compassion toward us when we make mistakes. Maybe you've never given God a chance. Maybe you haven't even considered whether or not Jesus was real and what he said about himself was true. But maybe today's the first time that you're beginning to consider this. I encourage you to consider it deeply. Here in this parable, Jesus is revealing the deep compassion of the Father for those of us who just have squandered everything that we've ever had, who have lived abhorrent lives. God has nothing but compassion for us. You see, when the son finally comes to him and he he finally delivers those words to the hearing of his father, his father doesn't even say a word. His father goes straight into action. His father goes straight into covering him to cover those sins of the past. He puts a ring on his finger, which was a sign of of authority in, in the time that Jesus was alive. He sets up a, a celebratory meal, puts, puts sandals on his feet. He really begins to clean his son up to prepare for a celebration. This is the heart of our father. You can see this father has watched the horizon, searching for his lost son, waiting for the opportunity. I believe many of you, our heavenly father has been waiting for. I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart today. This father speaks words of affirmation to both sons. To the prodigal, he doesn't do it with words. He does it with actions. But to the faithful sons, he does it with words and with actions and also with his time. What a beautiful thing that this is. You know, prayer is where this parable really comes to life. It's where we begin to see the compassion, the restoration, the celebration. It all begins with this humble prayer of this lost son. I said earlier that prayer is where our faith meets his faithfulness. I want to take you to Matthew 6. We're going to look at a couple of verses, and then we're going to go to the Our Father that we prayed earlier. So in Matthew 6, verse 3, this is only a segment of it. I'm just going to focus on what I want to pull out. Verse 3, when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In verse 6, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. These are beautiful elements. It's not a question of if we give. It's not a question of if we pray. It's when you do it. If you are a son or a daughter of our heavenly father through Jesus Christ, then 
you are a giver. He created you to be a giver. It's part of your identity. You are a prayer. You are someone who he wants to hear from and to to dialogue with, just as he did with Jesus. He seeks to do with you and me. And he rewards us when we do these things. You know, when we go to God in prayer, it is not because he doesn't know what our needs are. Nothing catches him off guard. But the reason I believe that he wants to hear us say what it is that we need, because he wants to know, he wants us to know that we're aware of our need, just like the prodigal. He had to be aware of his need before he prayed. He had to be fully aware of it, and he articulated his need to his father in his petition to him as he threw himself on his father's heart. These are beautiful insights into the power of prayer and forgiveness, this redemptive nature of our heavenly father's heart. Let's look at verse 6. We'll, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, picking up in verse 9 to verse 13. Pray then in this way, Jesus teaching us to pray. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit. unpack that a little bit. First thing, straight off the bat, you have a perfect father in heaven. There is a perfect father in heaven and he is ours. Isn't that good news? There's a perfect father in heaven and he is ours. If you are in Christ Jesus, he is yours. If you haven't asked Jesus into your heart yet, if you haven't given your life to him, if you haven't accepted your need for a savior, today is a good day to do it. There's a heavenly father in heaven who waits. He watches the horizon for you. That's such a good thing. This heavenly father, he's holy. He rules. His will is perfect and you can walk in his perfect will in Christ Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. His authority is over heaven and earth. He's a provider and he's a forgiver. If you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, but he expects you to be a forgiver as well. This is part of his character and part of his nature, and he expects this from you. But he will guide you around temptation. He will begin to deliver you out of difficulty and out of trial. He's such a good, good father. He's amazing, such an amazing father. You know, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, if you've never given your life to Christ, it's really simple. I'll give you the ABCs of salvation real quick. A is acknowledge your need for a savior. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none of us that are righteous in our own right. We require the shed blood of Jesus Christ to pay for our debts, to wash our sins away. It is in Christ 
that we become righteous. Acknowledge your need for a Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth to die in our place, to pay for our debts, but because he had done no wrong, that he was resurrected back to life again, and that today he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. His intercession has has helped to bring you to this point. And confess. See is confess. Confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord. Believe with your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as your Lord. If you do those simple things, then God will respond. God will respond to you. He waits for you today to respond. Well, as we've looked today into the heart of the Father and we've seen our connection between prayer and His will, how we lock on to our faith, accessing His faithfulness and where His will becomes our will. So we've seen how prayer and His will connect. And we've seen how He gives the greatest gift of all, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who comes and distributes gifts according to the Father's will amongst all of us who are in Christ Jesus, all for his glory, all for his purpose. And we've seen how he not only creates us with an individual purpose. If you're listening today, you are not some grommet that was produced in a factory and you're just like every other grommet. It's not like that. You're very, very unique. God's created you unique. You have specific gifts and abilities that God gave to you. And now he wants to draw you into a relationship with him, bring those natural giftings and abilities to life to put his super on your natural so that you can live a supernatural life empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in his will, to stand in his presence in Christ Jesus. Your salvation is assured. Heaven is assured for you, but you've got him today. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the greatest gift of all. Comforting you today, guiding you, leading you into all knowledge. Let's take another look at another little passage of scripture. I want you just to feel free to just close your eyes and listen to this. Think of those themes, prayer, will, gifts, and identity and affirmation. Think of those things today. If you're a father, think of how you can do these things better, not so that you can level up in God's eyes, but because your heavenly father is holy and he wants you to be holy like he is. He wants you to live out his will in this life. At the end, he wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. So let's take a look in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just going to read through this, and uh, you can just listen along, but think of those things. What would God, through the Holy Spirit, say to you today? What would your Heavenly Father speak to you specifically today? So Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. 
in love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. Hold on to that. The fullness of the times. I'm going to come back to that. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him, verse 11, also we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be the, to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Wow. So we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You can see it, that gift giving. He chose us to be holy for our will, to be married to his will. He has not only chosen us, but he's adopted us. As, as someone who comes from a family that has adopted, I can just tell you adoption is one of the most beautiful things. He has adopted us. What a beautiful thing. And he has lavished his grace, his unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but we have it. He's lavished that upon us. He's revealed the mystery of his will in that intimacy, in that inner space where you go before him, just as Christ did, pulling away from the crowds, pulling away from the disciples, coming into that intimacy, and there being able to engage with the perfect will of his heavenly Father. Oh, what a beautiful mystery to the world is revealed to us who are in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful invitation to intimacy. What a beautiful invitation to an embrace. You know, with my kids, there are times where I have just held out my arms and welcomed them to come, but it's up to them if they come. Embrace your children today, fathers. Open your arms to them. Children, run to your father and get just a taste, just a whiff, just a scent of heaven in the heart of our heavenly father. Oh, what a gift fathers are in this earth. What a potential blessing we can be at every moment. There's such an inheritance that we can not only inherit from the faith of our earthly dads, but what an inheritance is laid up for us in heaven. It says that inheritance is really under administration until the summing up of all things. You know, I said at the beginning that many are in the valley of decision. The way the world is going, we know from Scripture that things will come to an end. This world, the way that it is, is coming to an end. This global governance, this the kingdoms of men are coming to an end. Don't have your faith invested in them. I say this from Victoria, where we are locked down. We've been locked down for a very long time. Don't put your faith 
in men. Men are flawed, men are limited, and sometimes men are just flat out evil. No, there's an administration in heaven and at the summing up of all things, you know, where it says in scripture that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we ever be with the Lord. This moment comes. It is coming now. Go and read the parable from Jesus and learn of the parable of the ten virgins. Read that afresh today. Read it afresh today. If you're in the valley of decision, today's a good day to make the right decision. God has chosen you. Will you choose him? He's done everything to make it possible for you to come into a right relationship with him, to receive salvation, and you need salvation. I encourage you today. And if you reach out As I said before, acknowledge, believe with your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord, acknowledging your need for a Savior, then you will be born again. You will be sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise, this gift from God. You'll be redeemed at that future day fully as God's own possession. No more groaning, no more tears, no more problems. What a blessed hope we have in Christ Jesus. You know, John chapter 3, we see that it's not God's will that any should perish, and yet many will, but not because it's God's will. It was because they chose their own will rather than God's will for their life. I encourage you, choose today. God says, I set before you life and death. Choose life. Choose life. He's a good father. You can trust him. People will hurt you. There's no better place to get hurt uh, deeply than in church, in fellowship. We experience it as pastors. We see it happen amongst the flock, but that's what forgiveness is for. That's why forgiveness is required of you, but it's also why forgiveness is available to you as well. There is grace and mercy available to you. God is in the restoration business. The heart of our Heavenly Father is all about your redemption, and mine, the setting right of all things. That was the agreement between a father and a son, Jesus, that was accomplished on the cross. That was the reason the gift of the Holy Spirit was sent down on the day of Pentecost. For all who will ask, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you. Oh, now's the time. I encourage you to do this. 